Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott. I am here today with my co-host, Dean Manchi. Dean, you over there? You bet. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're really, like, really excited today. Uh, we've got an awesome guest lined up for everybody. Going to drop a lot of great knowledge bombs. Um, he's been a lot of great places. Coach Palasek, are you there? Coach Palasek's from uh, Wyoming. Coach, you there? Yes, sir. I'm awesome. from Wyoming now. It's been about a month, month and a half. <laughs> Home is where your hat is, right? Home is where you make it. Paradise it's, is where you make it. Exactly, exactly. Well, Coach, we're really happy to have you on today. Um, and so typically in a lot of podcasts, people give the rundown and, and everything of, of their guests, but you know, we'd like to keep everything really personal. So we want to give, give you the opportunity to kind of share your background with our listeners, um, <clears throat> tell us some of the different places you've been and, and things like that. So the floor is yours, Coach. Let it rip. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on, being able to share hopefully some things some people will be able to take and use for their own benefit. Um, you know, my journey isn't a lot like a lot of division one guys. I mean, I know there's other coaches that have come up through smaller schools, but I'm from Iola, Wisconsin, small town there in central Wisconsin, a lot of success in football, you know, basketball and in baseball, track and field, cross country. I know the volleyball team's done well. You know, those people mean so much to me because they're, they're always going to be part of your DNA. And the one thing I, I look back on and I take from that community it's just, a, they're just a bunch of competitive guys. I mean, still to this day, if we were going to get into a softball tournament, I would call up a lot of those guys and say, let's go play. Just because I know they would play hard, you know, and, and they would value the opportunity to have some fun and find out how good we could do. Um, from Iola, I went and played quarterback at Concordia, Wisconsin, <clears throat> which that was a little bit of an interesting deal because I was originally committed to Lakeland and they were throwing the ball over the place. I wanted to play football and, you know, I'm a shorter guy. And so those opportunities were going to be at the division three level. And, uh, you know, ironically, uh, coach Bart, you know, uh, Bartholomew, you know, his dad was a legendary coach in the state there, um, had reached out and just initially, it's just one of those things I felt pretty comfortable about the conversation. And then I got to thinking like, I don't know my father, you know, I didn't grow up with my dad. Um, he wasn't around much at all. And he was in Milwaukee. And at that part of of his life, he was retired. And I just started having this urge to want to get to know him. And so I flipped or whatever, not like flipping from, <laughs> you know, Wisconsin to LSU or something, but, um, you know, I was there, I had a good college career, um, fortunate to be around a bunch of good players that helped me, you know, look good. And, but the one thing I, I will say, no matter where you're at, you can take something from people. Right. And I still value, you know, all those coaches, I would, I won't even want to mention anybody, but um, I met some of my best friends in the whole world, you know, Gary Westerman up at Bayport. Um, I know that led to getting to know Steve Jones and the guys at Kimberly, you know, really because of my connection to Gary and then Steve and, and Dean and those guys being so open to me coming in and sharing knowledge, I guess, during recruiting. Uh, and that was a two-way street at that time. I was a, a guy that was trying to learn from everybody. Um, you know, early on, I was at UW-Stevens Point, I coached everything. I, I'm so thankful. So many young GAs nowadays want a GA at, U, at USC. They want a GA at Wisconsin. They want a GA at, at Iowa. Well, I got to go out there and coach and make a bunch of mistakes. And, I, you know, I don't mean that literally, but, you know, you don't learn from anything but doing it and then going and researching it 
compare and contrast, bring it back and go. So my time at point is as important in my journey as anything out there. And John, John Mish was a terrific leader. You know, he taught me there was no job too big for any one coach to do. You know, it's kind of like, don't ask anybody to do anything you won't do yourself. I, I John Mish built the locker room there because yep. he, he sold the cleats from the Jaguars. John Mish stuffed the envelopes. John Mish went through and cleaned the locker room up. You know, so that was really critical, you know, to my path. Um, from point, I went to, uh, you know, and this will come up a little bit later with specifics about the journey, but I went to North Dakota State um, for a grand total of six grand um, to coach the running backs and to be the offensive coordinator, or uh, sorry, check that, offensive GA. And every year that I was at NDSU from six to 12, I gained more responsibility. Um, you know, I, I think I gained respect, but I went in there with the attitude like, you got to earn everything and you got to stay up there late to learn stuff. I still remember um, watching the defensive film with the defensive coordinator, Willie Matt Garza, and then starting my breakdown stuff somewhere around 930 at night where most guys would just go. And I probably should have went and got my tasks done, but I had enough energy and all that. And I remember sitting there and he taught me so much about defense, you know, keeping the cup, forcing the football you know, containment and, and just sitting there listening to him talk through, it was phenomenal. And then um, I, I jumped at the opportunity to coach with Rod Carey in 13, which was a really hard, it was a really hard decision because, you know, North Dakota state, Northern Illinois, you know, with what we were doing at North Dakota state, there was going to be opportunities, but I needed to go out there and meet 10 new guys. I needed to, you know, cultivate an opportunity to learn something new, you know, and go fast, um, quarterback driven run game, you know, spread you out a little bit. Um, and Rod is a terrific offensive coach. And I'm so thankful I took that opportunity because financially it was really close between NDSU and, um, and Northern Illinois. I was the special teams coordinator uh, at NDSU at the time. And, and I made that leap of faith. I was only there 340 days. And I went back to NDSU as the old coordinator. Long story short, in 16, we were able to put together a plan that we worked on for a year and we, you know, we were able to beat Iowa, you know, at Kinnick stadium, which just is not easy because it's going to be four second or four quarters of hell. I mean, you know, those Wisconsin, Iowa games are just, man, are they physical and people, yeah. you have yeah. no idea how fast and physical and tough those kids are. And it's a man's game when those two line up. Um, but we were able to come out of there. And I think that sparked some curiosity on their part. Um, I was hired there to coach the whole line, um, which now makes perfect sense to me. But at the time, I never coached whole line before. And for Kurt Ferentz to hire me, it just, you know, he had to take a big leap of faith. But what they were looking for was somebody that could learn their system, learn their techniques, because they weren't going to change. They did not want an old line coach to come in there with all his old crotchety ideas and thought process on high knee, you know, Iowa does stuff a certain way up front and they block people really well. Now it doesn't always equal a million yards, but you ask anybody that's played against them. And I've asked some Badgers that they, they get blocked and they get blocked for four quarters. Um, and then just recently guys, for me, I just had that itch to want to lead again. I wanted to lead young coaches. I wanted to help them grow and develop. I wanted to be the guy in charge of, you know, looking at cutups and fixing stuff and making it better. It's not about calling plays that that part of it's fun. 
but it's not that big a deal in comparison to the relationships you can build as a coordinator, getting to know everybody on the team, um, and just having that leadership role where, you know, the head coach is up there and then you're kind of on that next tier. So um, that brought me back to a, a guy that's my number one mentor, Craig Bull. I mean, and I just have so much respect because I've seen him reward guys with more responsibility, so forth and so on. And, and his vision's really clear. And I learned that in 2010, it shaped who I am from a philosophy standpoint. And so when this whole thing kind of went down, um, there were way more positives and way more pros to do it than there were cons. And so that's why I'm in Wyoming right now and we're getting ready for spring practice. That's awesome. That's awesome, coach. And I can, you know, back to your, your, your GA days, I can speak to that. I mean, I was a, I was a GA at, at the university of North Dakota in 90, 98, 99. I mean, and like you said, making three grand, you know, a year, you know, going to school, um, you know, had, Volleyball, baseball, men's basketball, track, um, swimming, you know, you know, helped with football because, you know, helped with hockey because they're national champs, you know, and so you're working a 12 hour day and then going to class, you know, and, and, but I don't think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of young people appreciate that anymore, you know, and I, I love the comment you said that no job is too big, you know, because I think a lot of times people get to a certain level and all of a sudden it's, they want to, you know, push it down on someone else and they want to tell someone else to do it. You know, I, you know, I've paid my dues and stuff like that. Um, and the other part I love, you know, and I, like you said, I've been a part of a lot of those Iowa, Wisconsin games. And the one thing I know about, you know, both programs, you know, in my opinion is they hire people, you know, they don't hire positions, you know, and it sounds like that's why they brought you on. So a lot of, you know, a lot of your comments revolved around leadership. So just briefly kind of give us a little bit. And, it, you know, sounds like you went to Wyoming because you wanted to lead, you know, from a different perspective. So how have some of your different journeys or different places you've been given you those blueprints as to how to keep, you know, moving up and then with the leadership perspective? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Dean and I, and I know Steve, you know, we've had so many conversations, Steve Jones over there, Kimberly and you know, it's like, it's interesting to me when you look back, like that's, it's like coach parents always says, this is about the journey. It's about the people. It's about relationships. You know, the journey for me is I, I know, I know that when I was 31 or 32, I thought I had cultivated a philosophy, a teaching style. You know, I thought there were some core values out there that I really respected. And the more I look back on it now, it really wasn't until I solidified until I was probably 35 or 36, where I was able to say, okay, man, this is deep in my, it's deep in my heart. It's deep, it's deep in my beliefs. It's the backbone to everything that I do. So when, when I look back on it, there's pieces from Scott Erickson over at Iola. There's pieces of John Mish, um, coach Gabrielson at Concordia. There really is Rob Barnhill, um, coach Bart at Concordia, you know, my offensive coordinators there. Um, you know, Rod Carey, Chris Kleiman was different than Coach Bull um, when I was with him at North Dakota State. And then to be around a guy like Coach Ferentz, all that did was crystallize, you know, my beliefs. And when I, you know, when I get down to it, you talk coaching philosophy, to me, it's really, I mean, it's simple for me. And I got this from Gus Bradley, who now is DC with uh, 
uh, the Raiders. He's a longtime Bison. He said, Tim, go back and write down, you know, I'm hearing really good things about you. I mean, this guy bleeds green and yellow. Okay. And he's been in the league now a long time, Gus Bradley. Okay. And I'm telling you right now, he said, write down in 25 words, your coaching philosophy. It was a big Gene Stallings thing back in 1989. I think nowadays leadership is preaching three things, you know, and then kind of what are the branches off of it when you go and you study it. Right. But my coaching philosophy is pretty simple. It's compete and improve with urgency, passion, and enthusiasm consistently with a foxhole mentality to protect the team and what the program stands for. Well, you know, we can get into it a little bit more after I, you know, stop there. But then if you branch off the core values and you got to pick three things, right? It's compete, it's improve, and it's mental and physical toughness. It's being tough. Okay, what are the standards that uphold that? You know what I mean? It's urgency. It's, it's a enthusiastic, great body language, right? A finish, um, represent the team in a first-class manner. Okay. So those couple of things are all easily measured. They're easily defined and we can hold our players to those things and the players can hold each other to those things. And so that's kind of where I'm at with leadership, but I gotta be honest, it was really cultivated probably in the years of 2009, 10 and 11. Because at the time in 11 or in 2009, we actually were three and eight at uh, NDSU. We were three and eight. So I want to make sure everybody hears that. NDSU was three and eight. Craig Bull walks in and says, we're going to double rep. We're going to have two fields going. Nobody's going to stand and watch. This is the vision. This is how we're going to recruit. And we just flipped the switch. And quite frankly, we should have won the championship with uh, Brock Jensen as a freshman from Opaka, Wisconsin. In 2010, we got we got hosed on a bad call, um, but from there on out, I mean the rest is history. Yep. I mean it's eight out of nine or whatever, um, you know. So that's those are some of the things, and I can get into more detail, but um, those are the things I try to press upon, not by saying it, but those are the things that I hold myself accountable for daily, and then what we're asking our kids to do here. So Tim, you know you've been at a lot of different. Uh, coaching positions and as far as uh, coaching a specific position you've been in different levels you know you talked about Stevens Point D3 or at NDSU now you're in the Big Ten at Iowa you know is your philosophy change when you change and go to a different team or different city you know different type of environment how does that work yeah I think think as we're you know yeah what's really cool is I found um when I was moving to Wyoming, I found my football class one-on-one from Concordia teaching football one-on-one. And one of the things coach Gabe had us do coach Gabrielson, who's now at Wauwatosa uh, West. I hope I got that right. Um, he had us write down. A, my philosophy was compete and improve daily or something like that. You know, so that was when I was 18 and I was starting to think about being a high school coach I, I found out pretty quick and I'm keeping the language, you know, down here. I mean, I'm pretty enthusiastic and I mean, you know, we're going to do things a certain way. And so high school wasn't going to be my track, but um, as time goes on, I think it's really important for young guys that are getting in this business, whether you're a FIAD teacher, a strength coach in the high school level, junior high teacher, coach, you know, give it some real thought like, okay, what, 
what things do I value so much that they're going to be the backbone of every decision? How I wake up in the morning, what do I want people to say that I represent? And really, when you put those things to paper or you announce them like the way I did, like that, tomorrow I'm excited to go do that again because I just told you guys I was going to do it. And so at every job, you know, every job's a little bit different, but I've been real fortunate, Dean uh, and Brian. Think about the programs I've been at. What commonality do they all have? Tough, smart, physical, you know, pretty good leadership, uh, winners. You know, that's not all just by chance. You know, I've only had so many or few opportunities, but I can tell you that's near and dear to my heart. It's not like I'm jumping up and down to do certain things, but all those spots, you know, kind of fit who I was. Therefore, I just kind of picked up something every spot. You know, maybe it was a schedule um, or maybe it was organization of a practice plan or off-season strength and conditioning. Um, you know, I was so fortunate. I learned a lot, you know, just from the standpoint of teaching leadership um, on a daily basis from the University of Iowa with some of the stuff we did there. And then I would say the other things that stand out the most was how unappreciative I was of Stevens Point and John Mish in that moment. And not enough of us just say, holy smokes, how fortunate enough, how fortunate might have been. Take notes on everything an older person's telling you. Take notes and then you can decide later if you disagree or agree. I had nine, 985 notes typed up points from the University of Iowa. Wow. From coaching, oh, from coaching oh, staff oh. meetings. Yeah. Okay, now the primary reason I did that is because I was starting to process comparing Coach Bowles' program to Coach Ferentz, Rod Carey's program to Chris Kleiman. I was really hungry to cultivate a game plan you know, to get back in these leadership roles. But that's not a lie. I, I would I would put it up on the screen if I could. Wow. That's awesome. I, I mean, I don't think a, a lot of young coaches understand what it, what it takes to just sit back and listen. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, Brian, just listen. I, I don't want to cut you off on this, but no. I want to say this. We Zoomed, to, I Zoom called last year, okay, with during the COVID, with Marshall Yonda, Hall of Famer. Yep. Okay. Um. Sheriff may or may not be, but he's an all pro. Okay, James Daniels, guys doing it at a high level. You know the commonality? They all have notebooks on each guy they're going to face in their league twice. Stacks of them. Find, you know, if you talk to Joe Thomas, he's got stacks of notebooks on everybody in his league. You know, do you want to be great or do you want to be average? You know, do you really want to get something done in this world and earn respect? Then you got to do a little bit more. Well, I, I, can, I can speak to, to two guys that I work with, Ricky Wagner, um, you know, who, who, who is with the Packers, and Kevin Zeitler, who just went to the Ravens. You know, when they would come in, we, you know, as their strength coach, everybody thinks that all you're, you're talking about is strength and conditioning, things like that. I like hearing how they prepare, and, and each, both of them, you know, from a prep standpoint on a weekly basis, how they studied and broke down the guy they were going against was individualized, but – it was uh, on Tuesday, I'm doing this. On Wednesday, I'm looking at this. Thursday, I'm breaking this down. You know, Friday, and they all had a, they had a plan. And I think a lot of that stuff goes unnoticed, you know. And so, you know, kind of following up with that coach, you know, we talked about at, at the very beginning, you made some really good points about, you know, everybody wants to GA at USC. Everybody, you know, 
everybody wants to go probably GA at Alabama, right? They want, I, you know, but most of them really don't want to go to those places because they don't understand the work you have to put in. So from your perspective, you know, what are some of these coaches, these younger coaches that, that are listening to us right now need to understand in the type of hours and the type of work they need to put in um, if they want to climb the ladder um, and be a, be a college coach, you know, be, be, and be a successful one, not just yeah. you know, collect a paycheck. You know, like if I, if, if somebody said, Hey, Tim, you got to do something different in your journey and you get to pick it and it might come out better. It might come out worse. You know, the one thing I would say is maybe after GA and at North Dakota state in year four, I would have said, okay, if I go GA, I know I'm starting to kind of get there schematically. Maybe I'll go GA now at a big school. And someone would have hired me because I had, I had uh, I'd really five years of coaching experience counting Bill Young, who at Waukesha Kelly, that guy's important to me. You know, I didn't mention him in all that other stuff because maybe he's more of a father figure to me than this coaching. Like, it's just so big. But I remember watching this guy work. I'll, I'll, I will say this. Maybe he's not the best coach in the state. That's for all you guys to argue. I'm telling you this, nobody outworks him. And he'll kick your ass. He's 72. Nobody out, and it's all by longhand, right? I mean, he's writing these plays out. He doesn't use the technology. He's still tick marking it. And he sits there and at halftime of the Packer game, gets 20 minutes in on Sunday. That, okay, so I guess the reason I'm bringing him up is like, think about, like, you don't need to go and see, hey, like, in fact, if you GA at the University of Alabama for four years, is that better than GA at North Dakota State for a year, Northern Illinois for a year, and then coaching football at Minnesota Duluth? Hell no, because what's the one thing missing on that resume that I want in all the coaches that I'm going to hire in the future is I want to see coaching experience. Tell me the biggest mistake you've ever made and why. Tell me about your biggest recruiting blunder ever, because that cultivates growth, not just pushing paper or making copies or drawing diagrams on Visio or doing PowerPoints for a coach. You know, it's just so interesting to me how a lot of guys won't get out there and go take a D3 job after GN for two years, get that coaching on your resume, go back to GN to get the network. And so everybody's path is a little bit different. Um, I, I just think guys got to understand it's all about doing a great job. I was sharing this with Dean the other day and just thinking back on how the, the two opportunities that happen through hard work. Homestead High School recommended me to North Dakota State's D-line coach to get the job at NDSU. Well, all I simply believed in when I was a D3 coach is get into 10 schools a day and take a shot. Take a swing at these kids that are going to – but I'm hitting the road, right? And I'm stopping with high school coaches, and we're talking football, and Dean will attest to that. Like everywhere I went, I was open to helping to educate or to educate, and so – when North Dakota State's coaches went to Homestead, they said, hey, do you know anybody that's really experienced in the Division Three league that'll work for nothing? Sleep on the floor, do whatever. And they said, yeah, you got to hire Tim Paulson. And so that's how that happened. And then the truth of the matter is, at Iowa, we did a good job playing against them. And then Seth Wallace, the linebacker coach, the assistant defensive coordinator there, you know, was kind of like 
in Wisconsin and Minnesota recruiting. And all he kept hearing was North Dakota State, North Dakota State, Tim Polisek. This guy, you know, da 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 da. And he felt like he had to bring it up. You know, maybe Tim could be a good fit here. Well, long story short, I think each and every young coach needs to understand. Make the guy's job easier that you're working for. Always be available to drive them around if there's a social, if there's a booster event, be available, be there, be seen. Don't be running around being an idiot. You know, we've all done that. And I'm not innocent of that, obviously. But all I'm saying is you got to just do the job. Good coaches recognize good coaches. You know, good, good coaches recognize game. And that's my message to young guys is just continue to stay in the moment, do the best job you can, stay off of football scoop as much as possible. And then honestly, I, I want to put this in here for you guys. Too many of us want to go to the lounge or the lobby at the state clinic or the lounge or the lobby at the national convention. I haven't done that for four years. What I've done is I've opened up my suite. I've gotten a suite. Iowa was kind enough to do that. And we have, I try to cultivate the relationships I already have, make them stronger. Try to press upon those people you already know um, that you've gotten better, you know, and share stories with the guys that you have a network with rather than continuing just to try to add multiple people to a network and stay connected. You know, I'm not a big Christmas card guy, but I send a text message out to people and, and try to stay personally connected. You know, hey, Tim, as a high school coach for 26 years now, you know, it's every high school kid's dream to get recruited by a Division I football program or whatever sport that they're playing. So talk a little bit about that recruiting. I know it's probably a heck of a lot different than when you started in the, your beginning of your coaching career. And certainly not with the COVID, that's probably thrown some wrinkles and things as well. But what do you look for in recruiting kids? You know, uh, what's your philosophy? And again, it, you know, that philosophy probably changes, probably depending. And I was going to be different than NDSU, and NDSU yeah. is going to be different than Stevens Point, and so on. So, if you can just touch on that, because we're going to have a lot of high school listeners, and you know, anything that you can give them to help them, you know, try to reach their dreams would be. A, would be a huge help. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. It's a great topic. It's something I really enjoy. I mean, the, the couple of things that I try to really, you know, stay true to is number one, we want to value the process. So each school, I would say this to high school kids, they've got to remember every year is not the same. I can't tell me, tell you how many times that I've talked to a dad where he'll say, well, last year you guys took, well, we're not looking for that. This year we're looking for a center and a defensive end that can play to the open side. Just two examples, but it's not carbon copy every year. And, and I think high school coaches get thrown under the bus sometimes like, well, they're not helping my kid. Well, yeah, we are, but we had the same guy last year and he went to school A or B. They might not be looking for that. And whether your son is better or not as good, it doesn't really matter. Every year is a little bit different year, I would say. I try to stay true to the process, which means get eyes on them physically as early as possible, evaluate their junior film, wrap up their junior film evaluation with either A, an offer, B, we got to see more, or I'm sorry, B, you got to see more, or C, you got to come to camp and you're going to have to earn it. Now, the whole camp thing I'll touch on here in a second. 
the other part is culture. Are you a culture fit for that school? Are you, are you someone that's going to add to their culture or are you somebody that's going to take a bunch of work to get to know that culture? Or are you going to take away from their culture? And so kids have to understand we're looking at social media and you might not tweet anything, but it's like liking or retweeting some girl twerking, you know, out in the parking lot. I don't think that kid's a bad kid, but like, okay, I'm going to look into it now, you know, so they got to be really careful what they're liking or retweeting. Um, I've always, you've heard me say this before, Dean, being in the high school, getting a kid to sign with us or getting them to commit isn't even close to as important as my reputation as a recruiter, you know, and giving feedback to a high school coach and that kid, Hey, what's missing from the pitcher? You know, what do we like? What don't we like? What's not, what's not there. And then try to communicate with as many guys. Maybe it's a guy like Brian, who's working with a lot of the really good athletes to find out what that kid brings to the table each and every day. Um, I think kids got to be really, really aware, you know, that everybody's boards a little bit different when I mean board, like, okay, you not only have to be the best player in the state of Wisconsin, but when I was at Iowa, we were only recruiting 18 areas. You have to be the best player at your position in 18 different areas or the best culture fit, you know, have the most potential, have the best growth potential, but there's gotta be all these things that line up and, and I'm sorry, but too many guys get caught up. They're the best player in the County. Well, I was all state. Um, well, were you all state and track as well? Do you do anything in the wintertime? Do you compete annually or are you a one sport guy? And one sport guys aren't bad, but I prefer to recruit multiple sport athletes and competitors, yeah. multiple sport guys that are competing and, and finding success or at least showing improvement, right? That's one of the things that I respect the most about track now than I did before is it simple. A kid throws 50 feet as a sophomore, well, why are you only throwing 51 feet as a junior? And I know your coach does a good job right there. That's a big red flag. So kids have to continue to, to compete and improve all the time, academically, socially, um, community. It matters. It just, it matters. And when you start to put together, you know, a profile on eight kids that are all pretty similar, it's going to come down to the little things. You know, and I don't think enough guys realize they're not being compared to one or two other guys. They're being compared to probably in most cases, this is the truth, 10 to 20. And if you're in the top 20 on somebody's board, I would say from Wyoming up, that's a big deal. That's a hell of an accomplishment. I would also caution families and kids to not read in too much into social media. As much as it might seem like everybody's committing and everybody's getting offers, the vast majority of kids have limited offers, aren't committed, are still waiting on more, trying to compete and improve. So many people get discouraged. Um, like I kind of did as a young coach when I would see guys getting jobs and I was like, well, man, we beat those guys. Well, I didn't have the experience yet. You know, and I'm just saying like, hey, run your own race. Yep. Do it the best you can. Okay, understand that real recruiting has to take time away from the recruiter's wife, his family, his dogs, his players. That's real recruiting. 
some letter in the mail is not recruiting. It's just not. It's right. got to be a like I can shoot a text message out and I don't respond to it for two weeks, not real recruiting. If we message back and forth for 20 minutes, my wife is mad at me. She's looking at me like, well, can you spend some time? No, I'm working. No, this is important. And I got to do this personal contact. And so those are a few things. And I just would also say to young coaches, you know, be known in your area, be known for something. I know when I was a young guy, coaches, gosh, you appreciate Polisic, but man, he's a little bit hard headed and he's got an edge about him. Okay. Over time, I hope that's improved, or at least I, I've been trying. Okay. You got to know your area. All right. So as a young coach, you better be able to say, well, Brian is a lot like Dean. Well, where the hell did Dean go? Dean went to Wisconsin. He was a good player. You got to be able to draw those comparisons, you know, whether it's to your roster or to the guys in that area, because now when I go into a high school and I say, Hey coach, who does he most remind you of? If you're so convinced he's a division one player, give me another example. Most guys have a good example. Some fumble around. If they can't draw a comparison, I'm not sure he's D1. Right. Okay. So I would also tell that to high school coaches is we want things to relate to that show a track record of success. Okay. You got to know your prospects and you got to know who's important to them. And then what's really, really critical to this, what's important to the university. Okay. So I'll repeat that. Know your area, be known in your area. Okay. Know your prospects. Okay. And what's important to you and your program that you're recruiting for. Those are a few things. Those are a few things. And, and to the kids, I'll say this. I've watched a lot of kids work out or throw in a shot put ring, and they never knew I was there. And I learned a hell of a lot more than I did when they when they know I'm there. All right. of a sudden, they're grunting. You know, hey, the camera's always on you. Somebody's always watching and evaluating you. And that goes for the janitor in the high school, the secretary. I can't tell you how many kids I've dropped based on how they treat the secretary. Because we're not going to deal with women issues. If, if a guy can't respect women and have a good reputation that way, it's just something college coaches aren't going to touch. I think, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, you know, even when I, so I was a division three baseball player, but I played at Oshkosh and we were, I mean, we were pretty darn good in the nineties and we were national champs. The, the recruiting thing that I remember most when I was getting recruited for baseball is we were playing a basketball game in Toma, Wisconsin I went to on Alaska and I think I scored like six points. We won by like two points or whatever, but I hit like four free throws at the end, got a steal. You know, I think I bloodied my nose in some way or another. Back then you could still bleed and play. And, and you know, you, you're, you're frustrated yet. Tom Lechner, who was recruiting me from Oshkosh, came down and he said, hey, great job. And I'm like, well, I get in the locker room. I'm like, well, I ain't, I'm, not, you know, I'm done there. I said, that was the worst basketball game I ever played. Next morning, he called me and said, Hey, it was great to watch you yesterday. I said, coach, man, that was a bad game. He goes, yeah. He goes, good thing. I'm not recruiting you to play basketball. He goes, I wanted to see how you competed. You know, <laughs> well, and it's a great, you know, great story. You Brian, know? Brian, that's spot on. I'm going to, I got to share this one. Brock Jensen, who won 48 games. Okay. We couldn't make our minds up. We just couldn't. He was a week away from going to Duluth. All right. And that was Nick Gazer was recruiting him at Duluth, who we got hired at NDSU who I pitched to when I was six years old. Okay. Who's from Iola as well. And so I say to Brock, Hey, we're going to be at the basketball game. Similar story. 
He said, well, coach, you know, I'm a little bang. They just won the state title in the snow. And he was a veer option. I mean, this guy was tough as nails. I said, Brock, listen, just, you know, I'm going to come because I'm in the area. I'm going to see my nephew. I, I tried to downplay the evaluation. <clears throat> Brock Jensen scored one point. He was one for two from the free throw line, 0 for five or six from the field, had like 17 rebounds and 11 assists. But I was sold on how he, how he interacted with his teammates before that game because he had just joined that basketball team because they were, you know, they just came off the state game. And I went back to Coach Bull and I said, Coach, the high school coach said I can't come back to the school anymore because I've been there six times or something. He said he wants us to understand that Brock will only add value to what we're trying to do. He don't know if he'll be the starter. And I just went back to Coach and said, Coach, this guy's going to add something. Well, he added 48 wins. Right. And it was those little things, you know, and, and I just, yeah, kids need to know, stay with it. Run your own, especially this year, guys. Listen, the 22 class, you know, I saw a bunch of guys in the 22 class when I was at Iowa because we're like Wisconsin. You're about a year and a half ahead. I'm at Wyoming right now. I'm telling kids, hey, relax. Just keep doing great things. We're going to figure out our scholarships, which we don't have any idea on how many we got, how many guys are coming back. All that stuff doesn't really matter. What really matters, and this is a Coach Ferentz-ism, run a championship race. Run your best damn race. Run a better race than you did the year before. Play better today than you did yesterday. Improve a little bit. And so my message to kids is don't get beat up on social media. People are always watching, and there's always opportunity out there. Awesome. Awesome. So real quick, I want you to just touch on, so you, you've recruited these kids now and they, they get on campus. Right. And, and, you know, let's, let's be realistic. A lot of these kids have been courted by, by a lot of different places and, you know, told, Hey, you know, this and that and some other things. So they get on campus. How do you guys deal? How do you personally deal with, you know, and it's a lot different than, than when I was in college, right? Because, you know, we used to call it de-recruiting them a little bit, you know, to kind of get them to understand, hey, you're part of our culture now, you're part of our, our family, you know, what are a couple things that, that, that you do or that kids should be aware of to understand, you know, they walk in the door, you know, kind of how does that process go, you know, type of thing. And then also just real quick, there's, you know, there's a real touchy subject that's going on in, in, in sports and that's that transfer portal. You know, I think we see a lot of kids that are just the first thing they want to do is just jump to that, you know, type of thing. So just kind of give us some of your thoughts on that. Well, I think there's, there, okay, let's talk about the portal first. Yeah. I think even as adults, you know, I'm watching my nephews compete now. There's so much opportunity out there. Like, I, like part of me is jealous that I never got to play in all these baseball tournaments or these leagues or like, I just, wow, the opportunity is unbelievable, you know, for parents to join a kid in a club team and then like put the high school, you know, work to the side. And I think that's a tough decision. You're trying to do the best for your son or your daughter, like what's best. Like I, we didn't even get the chance to do that. We competed in Badger State games. We played pickup games, everything, you know? And so I look at that and I, I you know, it's a little bit unfair to say, well, kids have changed. Now I think their environments changed quite a bit you know, and their opportunities. And so they kind of can bounce around on some different teams, 
you know, you see it in NBA basketball, guys joining up, they communicate with each other. They share jerseys in the national football league. Uh, so like to me, from a young age, we're kind of saying, Hey, you know, whatever's kind of best for you or whatever you kind of feel like you should do. And then on top of that, I think parenting is that what I see in recruiting, I think parenting's at an all time high. I don't think there's ever been better parenting, meaning, man, we're going to provide opportunities for Jimmy or, or for Jill, you know, we're going to do everything we can in our power. You know, these shoot parents sit there and they watch a football camp. They watch coach policy go out there and sweat all over coach their son up with great passion and energy for what? I don't know. Go to the hotel and go swimming, hang out with each other. You know, let your kid be a kid kind of thing. But, um, you know, the portal, the portal and some of the conversations about guys being potentially paid. I just hope the kids do a good job of educating themselves. Cause if we do, as administrators and leaders, if we decide to go the route of paying these guys, um, they're going to have to understand they got to pay their tuition, their room and board. Um, you know, they're not going to get as much gear because they're going to have to buy that stuff. And then essentially we're talking about the national football league. And if you don't perform, I think the rules are going to change. You can't just go to class and be an average player. If you can't block the three technique, well, we'll find someone that can, you know, and so I don't know the, exactly the direction that's going to go, but I think all this stuff is kind of trending towards, unfortunately, the same guys that got in this business um, for all the right reasons um, are kind of getting forced out. Like they wanted to mentor and teach kids. And this is kind of one of those deals where the transfer portal, I mean, we can't develop guys. Right. And then I would say this too, to anybody that's thinking about the portal, or somebody that's going to go to college next year, then thinks about it. It's really hard to join another football team and learn their schemes, learn their concepts, learn the teammates, you know, learn the strength and conditioning aspect. You know, what are they expecting from a, from a commitment level when it comes to sleeping or nutrition And the grass is not greener. In fact, I think the grass is dirtier in most cases. You chose the school for, for a reason, hang in there a little bit. Guys push it through. You know, we had a saying at North Dakota State, and Coach Bull has it here. Those who stay will be champions. And we're mainly talking about life. You know, so that's interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm watching with a close eye as far as the one-time transfer thing. But, you know, what's really, what's really unfortunate, guys, and kids that are listening out there, parents and adults, man, you're really missing out on that best window of, of improvement. You know, year two or year three is where you make your biggest gains, just like you do from game one to game two. You know, and I, I just wonder sometimes if, if enough of the country or enough of us are willing to say, man, that was tough. I can't wait to go. I crave it. You know, I don't have a timeline. I just can't wait to compete and improve. So when kids get on campus, that's kind of what I focus on is having a great sense of urgency, um, an attitude that says, I can't wait to do it. And then try to get them to understand what it is to be a great teammate and to be part of a team while still continuing to compete and improve as an individual to better their situation on the team. And I will say this, 
two jobs a coach, is ha- a coach has. I really believe this. Okay, it's to eliminate stress and anxiety from a kid's life. There's only one way to do that. It's to take that kid into the deep end of the pool every day and make it hard and make it hard and make it hard. So you have a chance to beat, you know, Ohio State on ABC TV at seven o'clock, right? Like you got to go into the deep end so that you learn to love pressure. You learn to love the big moments. Okay. And the second role a coach has is to clearly define, this is what we're missing. I think we don't clearly define for the kids what their role is within the team, the unit, the position group. Therefore they really don't know where they, you know, where am I on this team? Okay. Because in college, uncle Sam, and the dad can't help them. Only one guy can change the role, okay, or improve the role or make it greater, okay, is the kid. So a coach must define the role. It's up to each individual to improve their role. And, and I don't know if, you know, I haven't seen it much, but I, I just don't know if there's a lot of kids out there that think it's somebody else's job to, for improvement. You know, they got to change their role. Hey, real quick, coach, you talked a lot about social media, and we know it's here. You know, as a high school teacher, I just saw an article in a research says that high school kids are on their phone eight to 10 hours a day. I'm sure it's no different than a college athlete. Uh, so how do you guys address that at the at college level? You know, because obviously well, the phone can be a competitive advantage. There's no doubt. We do a lot of education. You know, one of the things I thought at Iowa was good is we did a lot of education on, you know, you can actually set your phone up to only allow. I I don't think kids realize, I don't think adults, I don't think I realize sometimes, wow, 40 minutes just went by and I didn't do anything. You know, I was on YouTube. You know, you can set those apps up so they have stoppers, right? That's the first thing. The second thing I would say, and I don't know if you you guys can see me on here, but I actually have blue light uh, prescription glasses. And it'll be a law here in two or three years where kids won't be able to buy glasses without it being blue light. The reason I bring that up is sleep is the number one sports enhancement enhancement drug. I mean, period. And I've got, and we don't have time today. There's so many stories of guys that were good, that became great. Well, they started committing to sleeping to eight, eight and a half hours, you know? And so I think one of the things that I would recommend for parents of guys that are really trying to do it what try to do it right is get one of those you know sleep monitors or really you know use the eye or the apple watches for that for that part because kids the first thing they do when they go to sleep like a lot of us adults you know the worst thing for me is to go on twitter and check some recruits because the next thing i know 2 hours is gone you know with messaging before bed and then i wonder why you know, I don't sleep great anyway, but I wonder why I toss and turn, you know, so the social media aspect, obviously we got to be careful with how we're spending our time. Are we really improving? Are we educating ourselves? Are we, are we growing from a knowledge standpoint? What What's worked good for me since being at Iowa is get a book going and read for a half hour, 10 pages is like 14 books a year. And I think, you know, kids could really benefit from that. They just, all of us young people don't, we really don't know what's in front of us and how great the opportunity is because as older people, we all look back and we say, God, maybe I could have been three to 5% better if, 
you know, and there's so many people that are willing to help out. I just, you know, from a social media or from a phone standpoint, that's my biggest message is get off and read a book or, you know, be smart about when you're on social media and try to limit your time. Nice. Nice. So real quick coach to finish up here. I know, I know you talked about sleep and, and we've talked about actually sleep with some other, some of our other guests, you know, we've got high school, college listeners, things like this. You've been a lot around a lot of great programs, a lot of great players. You know, you mentioned a couple, give us one attribute that our kids can take or one thing that they can use for a quote unquote, get your edge competitive advantage. Um, be consistent with, you know, as they, as they grow in their careers? Yeah, I think establishing, <coughs> I think establishing a routine, you know, as early as you possibly can, can be real beneficial. I, I know like this is one area I, I necessarily kind of, I, you know, cause you like talking about things that are really in your heart that you've done, that you've stood by. I just know as a young guy, like for me, I, I wish I would have developed that mindset of getting up early and getting going. You know, one of the characteristics I see in division one athletes, and I'm not saying power five, I'm talking North Dakota state or higher is Holy cow. Those guys, they're in the weight room at five 30 AM. You know what I mean? Like that's the only time they have to do it because they are three sport guys. They're getting it in and they've got four peanut butter and jelly sandwiches packed. You know, like they're really making an effort to do it. You know, so often I hear, well, you know, we're in basketball right now. I'm losing weight. Well, I've been to basketball practice. It looks like a lot of patterns and walking through. It's not like it's two hours up and down. And I get basketballs. You might not be able to put on 10 pounds during that time. But if you if you put your mind to it and you make sleep uh, a priority and you make nutrition a priority, you can still grow, you know, during those times. So I would just say try to be as consistent as you can to developing a, a consistent routine prior to competition, prior to working out. I think that's really important. You know, know where your, your go zone is. You know, are you a guy that likes to run hot or are you a guy that likes to run a little cool? Do you like being relaxed? Um, what do you want the locker room environment around you to be like? If it's, you know, noisy or guys are on social media and you don't want that, go sit in the shower. And so routine is up there for me. And then I, I really believe this. If you're going to use social media, you know, go on there and announce your goals. Tap everybody you can on the shoulder at school. Tell your coaches what your goals are. Make them, you know, public, right? Because that's going to help you to hold, hold yourself to those standards that it takes to reach those goals. Um, lastly, I just would say, you know, stay true to who you are. You know, don't get don't get manipulated um, by peers and peer pressure, which we all know is really hard for adolescents, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15 year old guys or boys. Um, you know, you got to do the next right thing. You know, it, it's so important that these guys make as good a decisions as they can, that they're mentally tough. You know, mental toughness shows up in the times of adversity. Well, Hey, let's have a beer, you know, on a Friday night after a football game, well, mental toughness would say, Hey, probably shouldn't do this. You know, dad has talked to me. Mom has talked to me about not doing this. And so I would just say, surround yourself around great people, stay true to yourself and do the next right thing. 
Man, that's awesome. Coach, you've been, this has been awesome. Absolutely fantastic. I even, our listeners can't see, but I got notes too. So I've been writing stuff down. It's been fantastic. Coach, uh, if, if there are any of our listeners want to follow you on social media, what's your, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, it's at, it's at coach Tim. Y O W or sorry. Y W Y O. Awesome. I just changed awesome. it actually. So <laughs> awesome. it's at coach, at coach Tim W Y O. Cool. We'll have that in the show notes too. And Dean, um, you got the Fox Valley throws. Um, club going right now, put a little plug in for that. So our listeners could follow that. Yeah, we're on, uh, Instagram Fox Valley throws and, uh, on Twitter as well, Fox Valley throws club. And, um, we work with all shot putting discus athletes in the sport of track and field. And like Tim said, you know, as far as, uh, all the athletes out there, when you can uh, be a multi-sport athlete, colleges like North Dakota state, Iowa, and Wyoming and, and lots of others are looking for multi-sport athletes and seeing how they compete in different sports. And when you throw a shot putting discus a long way, it just tells a lot about the person's athleticism. That's awesome. That's awesome. And for our listeners too, obviously sports advantage. Um, for those of you that live in the Madison area, Wanakee, we just were opening a new spot, uh, Beaver Dam. So if you're even in the Fond du Lac area, stuff like that, you can follow us on our social medias uh, at Sports Advantage, at Sports Advantage Beaver Dam, and at Sports Advantage Wanakee. Coach, anything else before we shut this baby down? You've been fantastic. No, I appreciate I appreciate the time. I, I love giving back to where, where I'm from. And, you know, Brian, I'm getting to know you a little bit here, but, uh, you know, Dean doesn't know it, but he's meant a lot to me over my career. And he's been – those guys over there were spot on on a couple guys, so – They've helped us win some games as well. Yeah, they appreciate they get, the friendship, Tim. <laughs> he, no speaks, doubt. he speaks very highly of you, Tim. And so, and and Dean and I speak pretty much every day. And when your name comes up quite a bit, I know it's someone that he values. So we appreciate you having on, having you on, coach. Uh, everybody else, tune into the next episode. We'll see you then.